I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, there are some mighty, mighty big game twos coming up in the NBA playoffs tonight. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're on the ESPN app, Series XM, Channel 80, and of course, on your smart speaker as well at Play ESPN Radio Network. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio, friends, tonight. Celtics hosting the Bucks, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 6.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. You've got the Celtics, Bucks. You've got the Warriors, Grizzlies, Chris. You've got two teams in the Grizzlies and the Celtics that absolutely must find a way to win the game tonight. And look, I actually don't look at the Grizzlies and say, well, it's a must-win they're not winning this series anyway. Mm. <laughs> they're not. They're not wow. getting home as it is. Wow! I don't see it. I I just don't see it. I look at the Celtics, and this is a massively, massively important game for them to win, because if you go down two games to none and you go to Milwaukee, it's over. I I look at what's gone on here, and the Celtics have been out Celticed in the first in the second round as they pushed around the Nets. In the first round, it's like when you're pushing around your younger brother and you're able to do it quite easily, and then your older brother comes up and says, what are you doing? Well, right now with Giannis and, and the Bucks, I'm sorry, the Celtics got close to punked in game one. You can't let that happen. No, again. it wasn't close to punk. They did get punked. Mm. It's like Jalen Brown said. They got, to be nice. they got punched in the mouth. You know what it's like, Carlin? It's like when Greg Jones from Florida State in 2003 <laughs> punched Dexter Reed from UNC on that stiff arm. That's what it's like. And for those of you that haven't seen that highlight, go back and take a look at it. Because it was Mike Tyson's punch out on the football field. We were watching it during the break. It was just, it's, oh. it's epic. It's, 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 it's one of those hits that elicits an actual vocal response that is un. This is not unforced. hyperbole. One of the greatest stiff arms the game of football has ever seen. That wasn't a stiff seen. arm. That was, that was a... <laughs> Get out that was the a way. right hook. <laughs> yeah, that was more than that. But that's exactly what happened to the Boston Celtics in game one. And Carlin, I said it yesterday, man. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you look at the front line for the Bucks, it's 6'10", it's 6'11", it's 7'. They got a lot of length. 
And that led Boston to trying to live outside on the perimeter. They took 53s, which is a franchise playoff record. That's not what Ime Adoka had drawn up for his offense, but that's what the length of the Bucks dictated the Celtics do. And with the banged-up Marcus Smart not being able to initiate the offense like we typically see him because of the injuries that he was dealing with, you got a stagnated offense. You weren't able to get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown the ball in their spots, and that forced not only them, but the rest of the supporting cash to struggle offensively. So until Boston is able to figure out that piece of it, I think they're going to continue to struggle in this series. Now, I do think them being better, more buttoned up on the defensive end, can alleviate some pressure on offense because you can get out in transition, you can have opportunities for fast breaks, easy looks at the bucket to get into a rhythm. But ultimately, they got to solve the riddle of trying to navigate around the length of the Milwaukee Bucks front line until they do. What we saw from them offensively in Game One is going to be more of what we see the rest of this series. Well, they don't have a, they don't have any answer for Giannis. They have no answer. Not that anybody no. really does. No, but they don't have any answer for him at all. And so then it becomes about what they can do offensively. You know, can they be what they were the second half of the season? Smart is still a game time decision. They're calling it. Yep. We will keep you updated on that. As we go along here, leading right up to to coverage beginning at six thirty on ESPN Radio, but I just more than anything, Chris, I know it sounds so so obvious to say, but in this case, it really boils down to just Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown playing a lot better. Yeah, I mean that was yeah. a, that was a poor performance from them in Game One. If you want to call it a hangover from the Net series, that's fine. See, to me, hangovers come from tough, hard-fought seven-game series. They don't come from just wiping the floor with somebody else. They, in essence, really did with the Nets, and they had a couple of days in between series. It's, there was no hangover there. Well, there was, well, hold on, hold on. Let's put a pause in this. Let's, let's, let's focus on that because I think it's interesting from to hear that from your perspective, and I will tell you, as a former athlete, when you have success like you did early on in the postseason against a team like the Brooklyn Nets, who everybody said should have championship aspirations, you can have an inflated sense of self. Oh, sure. And I think that's exactly what Boston came into this series with. But they when were... I see that, I don't think hangover. I think hangover is more like we're exhausted. It was a rough series. Sure. It beat the daylights out of us. If you, What they did realize is that we're not playing the Nets anymore. Yeah, they ate the cheese. Like yeah. Bill Parcells used to always say, don't eat the cheese. Don't read all of the good press clippings that they put out there about you because you're never as good as they say you are. Mm-hmm. And here's the headline for the Boston Celtics. You're not as good as you thought you were. You're not leaps and bounds better than everybody else in the Eastern Conference playoff field. And, Carlin, I'm as guilty as anybody else of saying that it's the Boston Celtics in the East and everybody else. That's how I felt after watching that Nets series play out the way it did. But then we got a dose of reality in game one, and I think that everybody realized this dude, Giannis Antetokounmpo, is the baddest basketball player on the planet. Chris, on the flip side, I know that you already believe that the Warriors are winning this series. But do you give the Grizzlies any chance if they win the game tonight? Do you, does if, it if the Grizzlies, if win, the Grizzlies tonight? win tonight, does it at all give you pause to think that maybe they could win this series? No. Does it change your impression of them at no, all no, no, if they it, win this game? It, 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 it doesn't. I will say this. Golden State, I, I, could, I could see this going one of two ways. I could see Golden State winning another closely contested game. Mm-hmm. I could also see Golden State getting blown out tonight. You know why? Because Golden State... 
did what they came there to do, steal home court advantage. That's exactly what they got in game one, and it was a game where Klay Thompson didn't play his best, and Draymond got kicked out after the second quarter. So that wasn't a game that they should win. They found a way to win it anyway. That's what good teams do, especially this time of year. So if the Grizz do win game two, I think they have a better chance of extending it to a six- or seven-game series. But coming into this thing, I thought it would be a four- or five-game series. I just thought the difference in playoff experience was going to be something that bubbled up to the surface as we watched this series unfold. Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio. Two things that better happen, okay? Number one, you have better, better be a heck of a lot more physical against the Warriors than you were in game one. You have got to push them around a little bit tonight and earn it and set that kind of tone early mm-hmm. if you're hoping to get you want to get the Warriors into the mentality of what you were just talking about. We did what we had to do. Yeah. And we'll go home. But also th- also remember this. We think you're dead if you lose this game to begin with. You got three days off now. Who's that gonna benefit more? The Warriors. The older team. Absolutely. Yeah. You got three full days until you play game three. And you're at that point, it's just the long goodbye if you lose this game tonight. <laughs> there is nothing worse in sports in my mind than the long goodbye. When you know the inevitable for your team and you know what's coming, but you still have to sit through it. That's what it becomes for the Grizzlies if you don't win this game tonight. So let me ask you this question real quick, because I know we're up against a break. If between these two teams, the Celtics and the Grizz, going down 0-2, who's in danger of being swept? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Oh, the Celtics. The Celtics. More so than the Grizz. Yeah. Wow. I think the Grizz are still a young enough team where they will find a way to win a game okay. in this series and will learn from it. And it's almost from a Warrior perspective, even if they're even if they're up two games to none, even if they're up three games to none, I could absolutely see the Grizzlies still winning a game. I'm surprised to hear you say that the younger team having a better chance to go on the road and win a game. Yeah, because I still think they huh. don't know any better. Okay. You know what I mean? It, it's like it's like a puppy running you around. You don't know what you don't know. know. I got exactly. <laughs> I, but I think if the Celtics lose tonight, you can wrap it up. That is over. Even with the extra time off, they will not go to Milwaukee and win a game because they will have lost tonight because of a similar reason that they lost. If, if that happens, the bouncer week. is going to come kick mm. Jason Tatum out of club superstar. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I hate to say it. 
Yeah. They're going to start flashing the lights. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Tune in to ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into the single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters. It's presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcast. So, who can least afford to drop game two? The Celtics or the Grizzlies? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That is the question for you. We will hit the CC call-in line in just moments. Up next, though, in addition to your calls at 888-SAY-ESPN, which NFL teams not have gotten better this offseason, but which ones have gotten worse? That's the more important question. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Around draft time, you can always look at teams and say, look, this team got a whole lot better, and there were plenty of them mm-hmm. that did over the weekend. But, you know, there are a few this offseason that have gotten worse. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on ESPN+, Plus. not to mention Sirius XM Channel 80. Make sure that you're a part of the show, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Before we get to who's gotten worse, there is a little bit of breaking news And that involves Marcus Smart, who is out tonight. Marcus Smart out tonight for game two for the Celtics, which means Boston Celtics out, series done. So you're not buying into Derek White and Peyton Pritchard being able to platoon that thing with Marcus Smart out? Zip the bag, close (laughs) the drawer. Celtics are going home. Wow. Look, you just, you convinced me on a lot of ways on Marcus Smart being more important offensively tonight than maybe even on the defensive end. And he's the defensive player of the year. But they don't have him on the floor all the way around. That's a killer. That's an absolute killer. There's no question about it. And I saw enough from Peyton Pritchard jacking up eight three-pointers in game one to not give me any confidence that their offense is going to be markedly better than what we saw in game one. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy. And affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. That's Celtics game against the Milwaukee Bucks coming up. Coverage beginning at 6.30 p.m. right here on ESPN Radio. We just asked a question a moment ago. Which NFL teams cost themselves the most this offseason. Who has gotten worse this offseason? I'm going to give the floor to you. You start. Who has had an offseason that really has taken them a step back? Carlin, it gives me no pleasure to talk about this team because it's one of my former teams. I can't believe I'm about to do this, but I got to. And it's not the New York Giants or the Baltimore Ravens. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Now that'll bring me pleasure. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. And I mean, they, they, they clearly haven't gotten with. better. And and I understand they tried to address a major need, which was the offensive line early in the draft with Tyler Smith. But I'm sorry. When Mel Kuyper gives you the breakdown of the pick once it's made and says this guy's a penalty waiting to happen, that's not a good sign for the team that was the most penalized in the National Football League last year. So we can start there. But then just looking at the roster as a whole, Carlin, you lost Randy Gregory this offseason. You didn't find a way to replace him. You could have drafted Jermaine Johnson the second with the 24th overall pick. You decided you weren't going to do it. You look at what's going on 
or in their secondary, they could stand to add another corner opposite of Trayvon Diggs because Kelvin Joseph, let's face it, has been a disappointment, not to mention a guy that was involved in a murder investigation this offseason, not necessarily good for a guy that was a second-round pick a year ago. And then if you look at the playmaking, Carlin, they moved on from Amari Cooper. They moved on from him. Like They haven't found a way to offset that. They drafted Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama, and that's all well and good. But you don't have a guy that's going to step in and give you that kind of production, which you got from Amari Cooper. And don't forget Cedric and, Wilson either. And Cedric Wilson left as well. And we also got to bring up the fact that although you re-signed Michael Gallup, you are talking about a guy coming off of a knee reconstruction. So as far as playmaking is concerned in your skill position core, the Dallas Cowboys didn't help themselves. When you look at what they got in the backfield, Ezekiel Elliott is his best gay, his best years, his best production is behind him. Tony Pollard's probably a better player, but he's going to be a free agent in 2022. I, I, after 2022, I just look at this Dallas Cowboys team, and I can no longer assign them pole position in the NFC East. I thought they've lost that much ground to the Philadelphia Eagles. Completely they certainly fair. did not help themselves this offseason. Completely fair on every front. And I, I think the Eagles, in fact, grabbed hold of the NFC East this past weekend. Carlin, I didn't even mention the fact that they cut Lyle Collins as a cap casualty. I didn't even talk. Think about all of the different issues that I went through, and I didn't even bring up a guy that's in his mid-20s and has got over 70 starts at right tackle in the National Football League. 70 starts? You're going to get rid of that guy? No, Tyron Smith's got something left. <laughs> Tyron Smith hasn't played a full season since 2015. I'm joking. <laughs> that was sarcasm. This Dear is, God. I'm with you. You and I are in lockstep on this. This is bad for the Dallas Cowboys. That's a shame. I, I, you're such a bad guy. I know. You're not such a bad, a bad guy. guy. You are a bad guy. Listen, I you're, will, you're reveling in this right now. I, I you can you can feel my pain right now. We're in the same studio. You feel my pain. And I'm not yet, reveling in your pain. I'm reveling in their pain. I, I all I can think about is that picture of the guy with his arm around his girlfriend as the game was coming down and, <laughs> and Dak Prescott was screwing up the clock at the end of the game. Oh, man. And it turned out that apparently she was his side girl. Wow. That's not a good thing. That's but, here, not but, you, but you know what, though, Carlin? I'm glad you brought up the playoff game because when you're talking about the NFC East, everybody always brings up the fact that Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in the division. And I'm wondering what's that worth when it comes down to the end-of-game situations like we saw against the 49ers in the wild card when you botch it as bad as Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy did. What does it matter? It doesn't. The bar is not set high. I don't care if you have the number one offense. Can Can you perform? Can you produce? Can you execute when it matters most, when it's the difference between wins and losses? And too often the answer is no. At some point, we got to start looking at Dak Prescott too. Who else got worse? Oh, the Tennessee Titans. There's no question about it. You look at the Tennessee Titans, they traded away A.J. Brown. I don't care that you got Robert Woods, who's coming off of a knee reconstruction, and you drafted Traylon Burks in the first round. You didn't get better this offseason. And Derrick Henry has had 900 carries over the last three years and dealt with a major injury that kept him out for the second half of this past season. Probably not a lot of tread left on those tires either. I just don't know how you're going to be a better team moving forward, especially with what the Colts did in the division. And the Ryan Tannehill comment today, not my job to mentor him in reference to Malik Willis. Well, it's not my job to help Malik Willis take my job. So I can understand where Ryan Tannehill is coming from. (laughs) It's funny. Quarterback seems to be the only position that that's the case in the NFL. All right, mine, 
Number one, and I've been on this the last two days, the Cardinals. The Cardinals are worse. The Cardinals are worse. I, I don't look at a Marquise Brown trade for a first-round pick and say, yes, yes, we have figured it out. And I know that they knew that the DeAndre Hopkins news was coming, but that's not going to fill the void, and I think it is foolish thinking that all of a sudden you're going to recreate this Big 12 magic with Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown. I don't think the Cardinals are any better than they were this past year. I think they are worse. And the other team that everybody seems to think is immensely better, and I don't, the New Orleans Saints. I get it. Tyron Matthew, that's great. Marcus May, awesome. Congratulations. You're drafting Alave. You're drafting Trevor Penning to replace Teron Armstead. Terrific. That's fine. We'll see if Penning can play. You still don't have a quarterback. Don't try to sell me on Jameis Winston. Don't do it. I don't. He's not the guy. He did graduate from Florida State this. Congratulations! It's a great job. Did they give you a degree in quarterbacking? Because if they didn't, I'm not interested in hearing about it. And then lastly, they got worse in coaching. Dennis Allen, his first time around, didn't do a good job. I don't know about this time around. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. When you're losing Sean Payton. We have to put a lot more stock in that than maybe people are right now. Join the conversation. CC call in line 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Up next, we will talk about the teams that actually got helped in very short order, in the short term, by the NFL draft with one of our NFL draft experts. That's in moments. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Who won the weekend? Who won in the short term and the long term? Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. And, as always, we are presented by our friends at Progressive Insurance. Right now, we go to the CC call-in line to welcome in Matt Miller, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst. Follow him on Twitter, at NFL Draft Scout. Matt, it's Chris. Ed, Chris, we appreciate the time as always. I'm sure you're probably trying to catch up on some sleep at this point. But when you look back to the weekend, not just which team won the draft, but which team is going to be helped the most in the short term? Which team will see immediate returns from the NFL draft and what they took away from it? Yeah, guys, appreciate having me on. I think to start with, like, who won the draft – Look at the Baltimore Ravens. They selected eight of my top 100 players. Some of that, like maybe maybe Eric DaCosta and I, the general manager, just seen eye to eye on where to rank some of these guys. But I think that's where they did like just a great job of finding value to play the board, which is what they do so well to get Kyle Hamilton at 14, and then to trade Hollywood Brown. I think they got a great return on him. I, I think he's an average receiver. They got a first round pick for him because the Cardinals are in a desperate situation. And then Tyler Linderbaum is going to be a 10 to 12 year starter at center. So not only that, to get uh, David Ojibo in the second round, he would have been a top 12 or, or 13 pick had he not uh, hurt his Achilles in Michigan Pro Day. So they just did a great job of playing the board. They're going to get impact guys. I mean, Hamilton and Linderbaum are starters right away. Truly, once Ojibo's back, they have they have six guys who are who are going to be contributors from this class. And this is on a playoff contending team, right? This isn't. Six, te- six guys on the Jets or the Jags where you have a roster that's one of the worst in the league. No, this is a good contending team, and, and these players are all really set up to contribute. Well, Matt, I know you're talking about a lot of good things with one of my former teams with the Baltimore Ravens, but you're probably going to have a hard time saying some good things about 
my Dallas Cowboys, the team that I was drafted to initially. <laughs> they did a lot better job at the draft back in 2005 than they did in 2022. Walk me through the decision that they were thinking about with going with Tyler Smith over Jermaine Johnson, who was on their board and fit a position of need because of the Randy Gregory loss, and then the rest of their draft class. What did you make of what the Dallas Cowboys did over the weekend? Yeah, Chris, so I actually had Tyler Smith to them in my final mock draft. So that was a pick that was heavily rumored. I'll tell you, I didn't think they would pick him over Tyler Linderbaum, who if you're going to work on the offensive line, center is a need as well. So that surprised me. You mentioned Jermaine Johnson the second was on the board, so that surprised me. I thought Tyler was more of a, if this board has been picked clean, here was the guy you would go after. So I thought that Dallas – I really thought they did this the last two years outside of Micah Parsons in 2021. It feels like they almost overthink things at times, and they panic about the value. So if you, if you knew, okay, we're going to draft Tyler Smith, I think they probably could have traded back and tried to pick up a little extra value instead of, okay, wait, we got to draft this guy right here. So I think that's one thing that, as great as the Cowboys are in a lot of things, one thing that they seem to not always be smart about is how far back could we trade and still get this guy? Like, can we move back and still get this player I don't see anybody that was going to jump up there and take Tyler Smith. Maybe they know something that I don't. I know Jerry's got printouts that says this is where this guy was rated, right? But it doesn't really seem like anyone was in a spot to jump them for Tyler Smith. So you probably could have moved back a little bit, let a team come up for, for you know, a Jermaine Johnson if you weren't going to take him. But uh, very interesting draft for Dallas, like you said, because it, it just feels like, again, a lot of their values. Like they drafted good players. I think they just drafted a lot of them too early. Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst, joining us. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. The Patriots are catching some heat because people are looking at it saying, what exactly are they doing? How did you evaluate what the Patriots did? Yeah, it's tough when you have, like, the greatest coach of all time, and he's not like, – he does some things on draft weekend where you're like, you're going to have to coach yourself out of this one, buddy, because I don't know what y'all are doing. And Cole Strange is a good player. I want to say that. He was not a first-round player. I don't know anyone. Is Everybody and their brothers are draft Nick these days. I don't know anybody that had a first-round grade on this dude. Again, good player. I hope he's, a, hope he's an all-pro and proves it's all wrong. But something the Patriots did that I thought was strange, all these players they drafted are 23, 24, 25 years old. Traditionally, when you evaluate players, you actually you know kind of mark guys down for that. Instead, they went with an older draft. I think they're wanting guys to be able to jump in and contribute right away as opposed to, hey, let's draft some 20, 21-year-olds that we can develop. But Cole Strange is, again, a good player. I thought Tyquan Thornton, the second round, that is, I was shocked how early they drafted him. To me, he was a day three type player. Uh, Marcus Jones from Houston is going to be a fun little gadget guy. He's a great return man. He'll only be a slot corner. He might even see some reps at receiver because it's the Patriots. But it was all in all, it felt like the drafts that they used to have when they had Tom Brady, uh, they don't anymore, right? So this doesn't feel like something where you're really trying to build up the talent of your roster. This felt like a draft for a team that was trying to fill a couple holes to contend. Talking with ESPN NFL draft analyst Matt Miller. And Matt, real quick, because we're up against the break, I know the New York Giants are getting rave reviews about their draft class. I like the first couple of picks, but then their next couple of picks are a little bit of a head-scratcher. Wendell uh, Robinson out of Kentucky, and then they drafted Cordell Flott in the third round. Break down those picks for me. What did you make of them? I am absolutely with you. I love what they did in the first round. Wondell Robinson felt like a, a luxury pick in the second round. This isn't a team that has a luxury roster yet. He's also kind of redundant to Kadarius Tony, who previous regime, right? But still, you have a first-round player on your roster. So a little bit of redundancy there. 
Cordell Flott was a player that I talked to folks at LSU the week of the draft, and they were like, hey, you've got to get up higher on him. He's going to be going earlier than, than a lot of people think. I was still surprised that he was a, a third-round guy. There's a lot of potential there, but he's more of a developmental player than he is a day-one starter or a day-one even you know nickel corner, which is, I think, what you would like from a third-round pick. Matt, awesome stuff. We appreciate it. Get some sleep, dude. <laughs> Will do. Thanks, guys. Matt Miller, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. One thing we haven't discussed enough, how the DeAndre Hopkins situation now affects Kyler Murray looking for a new contract. We'll tell you in moments. Next, ESPN Radio. Overlooked aspect of the whole situation with DeAndre Hopkins getting suspended for six games for PED use yesterday for the Cardinals has got to be Kyler Murray. And Chris, Kyler's making a big deal about the contract. When I don't have DeAndre Hopkins now for the first six games of the year, when my offensive line has not gotten better this offseason, if I am Murray, I am pushing harder to try to get a deal done here. Because even though I got Marquise Brown, I don't look at my offense. I lost Christian Kirk. I don't sit there and tell you, even with McBride, I mean, Ertz is 100 years old. What am I really going to be able to do here besides James Conner and running the football? I need help, and more importantly, I need to not get hurt. I need my contract now. Yeah, you lost a lot of pieces on the offensive side of the ball, not to mention Chase Edmonds, who signed as a free agent down with Miami, who was their change of pace running back. So they lost a lot of firepower, and Kyler Murray is going to be asked to be a force multiplier. Now, that goes without saying when you're the number one overall pick, but now you're going to be asking him to do more, especially through the first third of the season, because you have no nuke. So and is he on that level yet? Well, I think he's been in the conversation for MVP the last couple of years. People have been talking about him, and then there's been one thing or another that bumps him out of it. Some but late do, do you think he's struggles, a, is he an A-level quarterback right now? I think he's a winning quarterback. He's a top half of the league kind of player, and... Yes, he's going to be a guy that's going to get $40 million plus on average annual value. That's what Kyler Murray's going to get on his extension, whether you agree he should be paid that much money or not. But if you're Steve Kime, their general manager, you've got to have more urgency in terms of trying to smooth out the rough patches that you and Kyler Murray have had this offseason. Y'all have got to find a way to put a Band-Aid on these contract negotiations or all of the different you know, you know, know, little quips that you guys have been taking on back and forth at each other. That's got to stop, okay? You can't cite issues of Kyler Murray's leadership ability and how he can be prickly and rubbing guys the wrong way, and Kyler Murray can't come out there and go on his social media and take down everything that has anything to do with the Arizona Cardinals. The two have got to be grown-ups about this situation, and I think it will lead to Kyler Murray getting paid sooner rather than later. But I will say this. I do think the olive branch that Steve Kime threw out there over draft weekend in trading for Marquise Brown makes a big difference because not only is it Kyler Murray's college teammate, but it's also one of Kyler Murray's best friends. And so bringing him in the organization probably makes Kyler feel like he's being seen and heard a little more than he's felt over the past couple of seasons. That's great. I want to see plenty of more cash going into my bank account if I'm Kyler Murray, and I want to hear somebody counting it out in front of me because I don't have my best receiver. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I apologize if I've been a little cranky today. You have been cranky. Is it Doc Rivers that's got you in a bad mood? No. It's not Doc. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. So look. It's no secret that I could stand a few, drop a few pounds. No secret. Here we are. We got this new show. Mm-hmm. My schedule admittedly has been all over the place, so it was an easy excuse for me to not be eating well. Yes. So now we have a regular schedule. And the last two days, and I'm two days into this, by the way. Okay. And I'm cranky already. <laughs> That's not I, good. <laughs> this morning, I get up, 6.30, I go out, take a three-mile walk. Like, my, my legs right now are saying, who the hell are you? What'd you do with the fat guy? We liked him better. <laughs> and, but all day long, like, I am doing all the right things. I am, you know, using my little app and writing down everything that I'm eating. And, you know, meal prep. Like, meal prep for me, like, the folks at McDonald's are prepping my meals usually. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this week, did all the right things. Yep. Trying to do everything the right way. All afternoon, I'm eating little healthier snacks. And then I look up, and I realize for dinner, basically, I have this little bag of mixed nuts that I've been <laughs> that I, I spent four days. You know, so I, that's I di- two, so that's dinner for you. This is dinner right now. So Hell dear no. God, this is bad. And and so I- imagine, if you will, somebody measuring out like a third of a cup of mixed nuts and taking one little cashew out to make sure I got the serving right. And now this is all I'm sitting on for the ride home on the train to New Jersey, where, by the way, there is no law anymore. I, yeah. I, am, I, am, I am back to the commuter life on the train, and nobody cares about anybody so else. So hold on. Let's, let's, let's rewind, because I do want to get to the commuter train. But, but you're using the drugstore scales to weigh out the Let's, little snacks that you're yes. packing for the day? Yes. I- imagine that I am the Walter White of Breaking Bad <laughs> of packing snacks. That's what it looks like in my kitchen in the morning. Well, yeah, it's all bad. I got it, these little bags, which I guarantee you. It's all bad when it comes to your diet. But, I, but That's I, not enough. No, I understand that. You're, but you're, I, you're, I got these little baggies. Trust me, we've all seen them when we were back in college. Yes. But you're a grown man. you gotta you got to eat more than that. Chris, I'm a... Thank you. I'm a grown man that has grown too much. <laughs> we're, 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 we're well north of three at this moment. Okay. And it is not going to get easier no, no, for me on. as we go Don't shame the 300-pounders because I'm, I'm over I'm not 300 pounds, it. too. I'm, listen, even I, though it might be distributed differently. Well, you're six foot, six foot eight. Yes. I'm six foot. And yeah. let's just say there is not a big difference in our weight right now. Well, uh, you know, listen, you're the same height standing up or on your side, but that's okay. <laughs> we still love you. I understand that. It's about being it's about being healthy. Exactly. Though. It's I, about this being This is healthy. not me being yeah. it's not a bad thing, yeah. Or anything like that, but I get it. I am cranky right now and here's the whole like the this is how the dynamics of my day are now playing out. Hmm. Will I make the train? In time that I'm not sitting around in Penn Station and all of a sudden, oh, look, pizza. (laughs) (laughs) That's what will get you. It's like waving hockey talk in front of Ryan Matlack. It's just something that you shouldn't do. Exactly. Because you know you're going to bite. 
Exactly. And so I understand where you're coming from, big fella. But can you imagine for a second that, like, this is what I have left to eat for my day, a little bag of mixed nuts. Yeah, I'd be crisped off if that's all I had to eat for the rest of the day. So if I'm that being cranky, me. That, that's been my problem. And then, yeah. as I said, I took the I can tell you're cranky because you almost knocked over your iPad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that and, almost happened. And then I did take the train in. I used to commute into the city every day yeah. via the train. And I have not done it because of the pandemic most of the time did my show here in New York yeah. uh, when I was doing it from home. So so how are people feeling about the train these days? Because I know there are some people that had a little bit of angst, a little bit of trepidation about getting back on public transportation. I'll say this. Most of them have masks on, which is fine. And I'm wearing my mask okay. because I'm a walking outline condition okay. or underlying condition. But as far as everything else, there's no law. There's no, <laughs> no law. There's no law. It is... It is absolutely like Lord of the Flies on New Jersey Transit. <laughs> they're just they're, nobody believes in headphones anymore. They're, people are just playing their music out loud now. I mean, I felt terrible for the conductor. There were two or three different people yelling at the conductor, like legit yelling at the conductor. Why like, are they yelling at the conductor? Like one guy's ticket was wrong. He activated the wrong thing on his phone. And that's not the conductor's fault. And this guy's asking for his conductor badge number because he's going to write to New Jersey Transit, which trust me, that's not going to get much done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're looking for results, don't drop New Jersey Transit there or the governor or government of New Jersey any kind of a letter. The whole thing, it is amazing. And then I get to the city and now subway trains just stop it wherever they want. They, there's no <laughs> seriously. I got on the, the the number two train to come uptown from Penn Station and stops at 66th Street. No, it doesn't. So <laughs> no, you stopped at 72nd. It went to 72nd, <laughs> and then I got on the train, and, and then stupid me. Because I've already walked by three miles today. Yeah. I didn't just say, let me walk the six blocks down. No, I get back on the train, go back downtown, got on the three train. That doesn't stop at 66th either. I'm at 42nd Street. You're hustling backwards. What are you thinking about? Just I don't walk know. the six blocks. I, I should have just done that. I, I should have just done you're that. outside of your that, mind. But you know what? It's the you know why you're crazy not, man. You know why you're not thinking rationally? It's because you're doing things that your body is not used exactly. to. You walk three miles. And now your portion control, your packing snacks and all of that stuff, your body is upset at you, and now it's not giving your mind the nutrients that it needs to function properly. Well, it, this is Your all... body's angry at you. Yeah. And you have to accept that. Maybe I shouldn't be trying to make drastic life changes all at once when I'm starting a new show. Probably not that? a good idea, but it's highly entertaining, Okay, though. we have just come across my reason for having pizza tonight. There you go. <laughs> I'm all about it, by the way. I, I know. But yeah, I'm all listen. about it. You got to treat yourself. Sometimes you got to cheat. Yes, you do have to treat yeah. yourself. But And I'm a big believer in that. But in this case, like, I can't cheat after a day and a half. <laughs> I can't really justify that one. Listen, it's a, it's a process. You can't just jump into it. It's, it's going to happen gradually. You, gotta just, you can't just go cold turkey on the things that you love. And it takes a long time to build habits. So give yourself some grace as you're going through this new lifestyle change. Here's it's what okay. Gonna, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hand the phone over to you. You can have a chat with my wife, and you can say, you know, hand him a little grace. Maybe he needs it. Yeah, I'm know? just saying. It's in the best interest of our show. Listen, I have no problems doing what's in the best interest of the show. I, I agree. No problem. But this whole thing, like, you can't expect a man to change overnight, man. You can't do it. It's just not fair.